I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to the revised edition of Episode 5 in the AIC Christian Education video series, The Nicene Creed. The revised series includes many new illustrations and enhanced cross-references to other AIC resources in video, podcast, and print form available through links on our website. In this episode, my focus is on the final phrases describing the Lord Jesus Christ from by whom all things were made, unquote, through he suffered and was buried. The music used in the opening and closing titles is Reginald Heber's Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, written in 1827 A.D., based on Revelation 4, verses 6 to 11, 5, 13, 15, 2 to 4, and Isaiah 6, 1 to 3. It is performed on the organ in England by Richard Irwin to the tune Nicaea, composed by John B. Dykes, in 1861 A.D. I encourage viewers to visit Richard's dedicated webpage, https colon right slash right slash play dot hymnswithoutwords.com and I thank Richard for granting permission for its use. The Nicene Creed continues with By Whom All Things Were Made. Early icons and mosaics in both the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions, most famously the Genesis Dome at the 9th century Basilica of St. Mark in Venice, a portion of which is shown in the illustration, depict Jesus as the agent of the Father in each specific act of creation described in Genesis 1.1 through 2.7. The earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the dry land, the seas, the plants, the birds and animals of the land and the sea, the firmament, and mankind. Jesus, second person in the Trinity, is the divine person by whom all of creation was made. The Nicene Creed continues with three related phrases about the Lord Jesus Christ who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man. These three phrases, many of which were added by the Council of Constantinople in 381, address several major heresies. The Council of Constantinople will be discussed in a later episode. They tell us that for the salvation of mankind through the Holy Spirit in the body of the Blessed Virgin, Jesus was made incarnate, that is, made a real man. Again, there will be more on the Council of Constantinople in Episode 6 and Episode 7. The illustration for this and the next slide is a late 19th century depiction of the nativity by the celebrated stained-glass artist F.X. Zettler for St. Gertrude's Church in Stockholm, Sweden. Before beginning the discussion, I'd like to point out that the verb tense in these phrases concerning the Lord Jesus Christ changes into the definitive verbs was and did. 
This change, largely ignored in modern, literal-minded reading of the Creed, was deliberate. It was the Council's way of addressing the heresies mentioned in Episode 1, especially Docetism and Arianism. The Docetists argued that Jesus only appeared to die upon the cross. The Arians argued that Jesus was a created being. Here the use of was and did throughout the whole section on the Lord Jesus Christ expresses in positive language that the events described in the Nicene Creed did in fact actually happen as described in Scripture. The word incarnation comes from the Latin verb incarnatus, which means enfleshment. Among the earliest fathers to explain the creed statement was Athanasius, at the time of the Council of Nicaea, an aide to the Bishop of Alexandria, which was one of the five sees of the early church, and who was himself later Bishop of Alexandria. In his book, On the Incarnation, Athanasius wrote that only the incarnation of the only begotten Son of God as a real human being possessing a rational will and a human soul, only through that means could Jesus Christ make the sacrifice or propitiation in the words of St. John in 1 John 2 verse 2 that would forgive the sin of mankind since Adam and Eve. Athanasius' view was later validated by declarations of other ecumenical councils. The illustration is a 16th century Russian Orthodox icon of Athanasius. The Old Testament precedent for the Incarnation is the prophecy of Isaiah from Isaiah 7, verses 10 to 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Anglican liturgies and hymns generally spell Emmanuel with an E. The illustration is an 11th century mosaic of Isaiah at the Neomoni Monastery on the Greek island of Chios. The New Testament precedent is the nativity accounts in the Gospels, especially the account of the coming of John the Baptist to John's father, Zacharias, the full account of which is Luke 1, verses 11 to 25, and the Annunciation to St. Mary by the Archangel Gabriel, described in Luke 26 to 38. The illustration is a detail from the Annunciation stained glass window by Mayor of Munich at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication Paintings on Light, available in paperback and Kindle editions through our virtual bookstore at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. St. Luke reported the words of the Archangel Gabriel concerning Mary in Luke one twenty-eight: Rejoice, highly favored one! The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. St. Mary's most significant attribute is that she was obedient to the command of the Lord, as was her husband Joseph, even though neither understood his purpose. Obedience is the key word for December 29th, 
the fifth day of Christmas in the 12 Days of Christmas series available using the digital library links at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The illustration is a detail of Mary and the infant Jesus from a mosaic at the Church of the Assumption on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. At the Council of Ephesus, or the Third Ecumenical Council held in 431 A.D., the Church declared that Mary is forever entitled to be called Mother of God, which in Greek is Theotokos. Among Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, and many Anglicans, Mary is also entitled to be addressed as Most Blessed and Ever-Virgin. Ever-Virgin is rendered in Old Church Slavonic used in Russian and other Orthodox traditions as Prisno Dievi. The salvation he offered through his death on the cross means that mankind, God's own creation, who had defied his law since the disobedience of Adam and Eve, was being made right with the Lord. This divine act of self-sacrifice, which St. John, as I noted earlier, calls propitiation in 1 John 2, verse 2, and which is used as the last of the comfortable words in the Anglican Holy Communion liturgy, is the ultimate expression of God's love for mankind and is an example of one of the forms of mercy he shows toward his people. For more on the theological concepts of mercy and propitiation, see Mercy Slash Merciful on pages 144 to 146 and Propitiation on pages 176 to 177 in the AIC bookstore publication Layman's Lexicon, available through our virtual bookstore at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The illustration is a late 16th to early 17th century stained glass window of the Nativity at the Church of St. Michael in the Lorraine region of France. The doctrine concerning his incarnation as a man, as the Word of God, was affirmed at the Third Ecumenical Council at Ephesus in 431 A.D., and his possession of a human will and the ability to act upon it was reaffirmed at the Sixth Ecumenical Council, which met at Constantinople in 681 A.D. The illustration is Jesus appears to the disciples, an illumination in tempera and gold on parchment from the pericope book of Henry II, made between 1007 and 1012 A.D. for the last of the Ottonian Holy Roman Emperors, from the collection of the Bayerische Staatsbibliothek, Munich, Germany. The Nicene Creed continues with, And was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. After a travesty which was called a trial before the Jewish authorities during the reign of Pontius Pilate, described in Matthew 27, verses 15 to 26, Mark 15, verses 1 to 15, Luke 23, 1 to 25, and St. John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 28, through chapter 19, verse 16, Jesus was sentenced to death by crucifixion, a particularly brutal manner of execution used in Roman times and earlier for those found guilty of the most serious crimes. 
Jesus' body was nailed to a wooden cross and displayed for all to see beside a public road on the hill called Golgotha. The illustration for this and the next slide is a late 19th century stained glass window of the crucified Christ by F.X. Zettler at St. Gertrude's Church, Stockholm, Sweden. The legs of the condemned on the cross were usually broken to prevent the victim from pushing up to relieve pressure on the chest and causing slow, painful death from asphyxiation. Jesus' legs were not broken, reminding Christians of Psalm 34.20 and as a fulfillment of prophecy. Not one of his bones shall be broken. That's Psalm 34, verse 20, as quoted in John 19, verse 36. The Nicene Creed continues with, He suffered and was buried. As noted in episode 1, one of the early heresies faced by the church was docetism, based upon the Greek verb meaning to appear to. Docetists believed that Jesus only appeared to suffer and die upon the cross. In the Nicene Creed, he suffered and was buried means that Jesus Christ as a man truly did suffer terrible pains upon the cross and did actually die and, quote, was buried. The illustration for this and the next four slides is a late 19th century watercolor and charcoal drawing of Death at the Ninth Hour by James T. So from his Life of Christ series now at the Brooklyn Museum. Among the New Testament precedents is Luke 24, verse 46, in which Jesus himself says, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. St. Luke reported St. Paul using the same words in Acts 17, verse 3. Other New Testament precedents are the gospel accounts of the preparation of his body as it was prepared for burial by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea in an unused tomb, described in John 19, verses 38 to 42, in Luke 23, verses 50 to 54, in Mark 15, verses 42 to 46, and in Matthew 27, verses 57 to 60. Statements made in the Nicene Creed concerning Jesus were ratified or expanded upon. At the Council of Chalcedon 451 A.D., which was the fourth ecumenical council, the Church declared that Jesus had two natures, the one divine, sometimes called the Godhead, and the second a human, sometimes called the manhood, without reduction in the characteristics of either. The Church commemorates the sacrificial propitiatory death of Jesus as a man on the cross at Golgotha in the first prayer of the traditional office for ninth hour, or 3 p.m., as described in Luke 23, verses 44 to 46, in Matthew 7, 27, verse 45, Mark 15, verse 33, and in Observations of Good Friday. For more, see the text of ninth hour, on pages 107 to 113 in Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Prayers for the Laity, and Good Friday in the service titled In the Cross of Christ I Glory on pages 75 to 101 in Occasional Services for Anglican Worship 
both available in paperback and Kindle at the virtual bookstores at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. As part of the AIC celebration of the start of its second decade on the web, we have produced four new illustrated and annotated Gospels, one each on the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each book is printed on high-quality coated paper, and the series is richly illustrated with Christian art from the 5th to the early 20th century in high-resolution format collected from libraries in Europe, England, Wales, Ireland, and the United States. Each is available in paperback and Kindle versions with the Kindle version and electronic facsimile of the paperback edition. Other AIC resources mentioned in this episode can be accessed on demand 24-7 from our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. You can watch this and other videos in the Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video categories from either the Bible study page or the digital library page. If you prefer, you can listen to podcast versions of all our videos using links on the podcast archive page and podcast homilies based upon readings in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer from the links on the podcast homilies page. Or you can acquire and read any AIC bookstore publication using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage, www anglicaninternetchurch.net. The link takes you to my Amazon Author Central page where nearly all our books are available either in paperback or Kindle editions. The dedicated direct link is https colon slash slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. All the words after Dot com must be in lowercase only. Please be assured that 100% of all book royalties are contributed to the AIC. Thank you for joining me for Episode 5. Next time in Episode 6, I will focus on the final statements concerning the Lord Jesus Christ from And the Third Day He Rose Again through Whose Kingdom Shall Have No End. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.